You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help us by being a sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Firefly episode, Out of Gas. It's two stories told through a series of flashbacks. The first, The Serenity in very off-the-radar space, suffers a critical engine malfunction and fire. Zoe is critically wounded. The Serenity is dead in space, and the life support systems are inoperative. Without the necessary replacement part, and with no practical chance of survival, the crew evacuates in the two shuttles, hoping they will find help before they run out of fuel, too. Mal remains behind, hoping someone will answer their distress call. When help does come, It comes with a double cross that very nearly cost Mal his life. But in the end, all is well. In the second story, we follow how Mal first bought the ship, despite Zoe's reservations about the ship, and his plan to avoid the Alliance. We see how Wash came to be hired as the ship's pilot, despite Zoe's reservations about him. We see how Kaylee and Mal were first introduced. Enough said. We sit in on the contract negotiations between Mal and Inara when she rents the shuttle from him. And finally, we see Mal, Zoe, and Jane's very first meetup, and Mal's progressive recruitment techniques. So, out of, out of gas, out of gas. Um, different, different kind of story than, than the previous ones. Bit of a, bit of a fill-in. We'd already met uh, well, Shepard Well, we're, we're midway. And, yeah. Seven seven episodes in the past, seven including Serenity, still to come. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, here here's our chance to, to meet the rest of the crew in reverse. Because we met Book and and the Tams in the first episode of the series, and so now we although the viewers of course didn't. Well, is, is so is Serenity well, still after this one? When it airs? Yes. yes. Wow. Serenity hadn't aired when they said oh did they hold it for almost last serenity was the last to air on it was fox. the last to air on fox okay yeah so they just didn't like the huh hmm i wonder how you'd take that watching the show in that order <laughs> well i can't imagine it would make a lot of sense but i don't think by that point it mattered very much yeah yeah i suppose not so um we definitely get a um the the action adventure story in this one um is is it's actually pretty good um it's not too uncommon to have the spaceship in distress no oxygen how do we survive but i i thought it was i thought it was well done even even though i dislike being told stories in the wrong order <laughs> i knew this would happen i i <clears throat> not only is it not only is it a flashback it's a double 
flippin' flashback episode. Yeah, I couldn't imagine you being too fond of that. I I know you you don't cope well when it's non-linear. And I, this I is cope well. I just don't see that it does. It doesn't usually add anything to the story. Well, and so no. I, well, all right. Go ahead. I I, th- I, th- I think there's I think there's a good, a good reason why it does make sense to have elements of this story in flashback. I'm I'm not going to go out of my way to defend the double flashback nature of this story because I'm not sure it does work particularly well. But my attitude is. I don't really see why there has to be a good reason, or put, or to put it another way, perhaps there has to be a good reason to tell a linear story. So, I mean, I'm I don't want to bash linear stories. I think High Noon, for example, is a, an absolutely terrific film, and it's not only in linear order, but it's in real time. And if you're going to be purist about it, then you've pretty much got to reduce it to that because after you start jumping forward through time, there's no real reason why you shouldn't jump backwards through time. And memory doesn't work like that. And storytelling in reality doesn't work like that. I mean, you you obviously, if you're very meticulous in your storytelling, you could reduce everything you recount to and then this happened and then that happened and then this happened. But actually if you're trying to construct a narrative with dramatic impact, it makes sense to bring things in when they're relevant rather than because of their so linear I, So I tell the, tell the story and about this this person who struggles this this long hike and then they reach this giant wall and, and that's the point where I say, oh, did I forget to mention they don't have any arms? Something like that. I mean, that's that's suspense to me. That's kind of a cheat. Um, in no, in... I think it's just a bad story. <laughs> See, so well, <laughs> if you have to, but, it, do but that... in but in this, so to, okay, let's, okay, well, yeah, let's yeah, look at some let, let me, some let of me the reasons make a, why this is in flashback. Let me let me make a let me make a break. It's probably the same thing you're going to say. The bit where he's remembering, that's him dying. That's him him having his life flashback in front of him. I'm okay with that, because that really isn't the story. It's a story, but I mean, that isn't really the story that we're telling about the the ship being damaged and, and what it takes to survive it. So that in its wreck isn't really even germane to what's going on in this current moment. We already know that this is his ship. We already know that's his crew. This is his chance to reflect back on his life. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm fine with that one. Um, that's pretty common, and as flashbacks go, that's fine. That's not really, in a way, that's not really nonlinear storytelling. But <laughs> well, it isn't because it's not the same story. He is telling a second story, and it is linear. It's just interrupted, right? He's going through the crew as he picked them up, and the ship and the crew, and with one exception, and I want to mention that. Um, but and I want to ask about that. It's the we start with Mal falling flop on his face at the beginning of the thing and struggling his way through and then telling that story in flashbacks, going back to Simon's birthday cake dinner. That's the part that I, I don't see that it benefits anything. And I, I don't, it, it doesn't, just because he's lying there face down on the deck bleeding, doesn't 
It just kills some time is what it does because then they repeat that bit. And I, I, that part I don't understand why they've done it or why it, why it matters. I, well, actually, I do know why they've done it. Actually, I can. I, I can explain it from a, from a technical story standpoint. If they didn't do it that way, they wouldn't have enough time for the flashbacks meeting the crew. Because they need to drag the story out some so that he has more he has more opportunity when he's dying to be thinking about what happened in the past. Because he would not be doing that during the crisis of the ship blowing up or the, of Kaylee talking about the engines being busted or Joey being maybe when Zoe was hurt. But, but really Mal doesn't strike me as the type of person that's going to stop in a reverie and, and have a flashback. So in that respect, I guess it is the only way they could have told that uh, and and make it fit distributed throughout the hour if that makes any sense yes yeah i think you're right i think you've probably just sold me on the triple (laughs) triple flashback structure and that i was having my doubts about it but okay then i'll then i'll jump to the last one the the flash flashback the far flashback stories are told in linear order with one exception the purchase of the ship and we're misled into thinking that we've heard the bit about the ship, right? We get the guy's salesman's voice. It's very early saying, Are "You, oh, this ship, she'll take care of you for life. And we think he's talking about the serenity, and he's not. And we learn that at the end. That feels like the most deliberate choice in the flashback story. And why? I mean, what, do you, what do you make out of that? Because I'm not sure it is completely two separate stories it is about primarily about mal's relationship with the ship and obviously the crew come into that but what we've got in the in the if you like present day or past 24 hours or whatever it is mm-hmm. is mal as captain going down with the ship and i mean part of it is seeing this guy is a really, really good captain, but part of it is also that that connection he has with the ship. It's not it's not just that he's doing his duty. It's actually he really, really doesn't want to leave it. And then the flashbacks are yeah, we get introductions to the crew, but the very first flashback is not an introduction to Zoe because we already know from Serenity, or yes, we we know because we've we've been able to see the actual first episode that Zoe was with Mal when they were in the army what it's really about is it's an introduction to Serenity it's the first time he sees Serenity and so that that ending flashback is is wrapping that round to show that it is kind of love at first sight because by you you get the the salesman's pitch and Mal's kind of echoing that Mm -hmm. to Zoe that's right and it 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 sounds like he's been convinced by the salesman. He's been taken it, and now he's now he's kind of forced to believe this stuff himself, even though Zoe is not buying any of it. But actually, it's not that at all. What you get at the end is the fact that he wasn't sold Serenity by the salesman. He was. Uh, there's a there's a there's a quote in the in the um, uh, official companion book from Joss Whedon that says it's like Tony and Maria in West Side Story, you know, their eyes meeting across a, a crowded room. Okay. Uh, that's what I was kind of wondering if they were going for, is this, is this 
um, you know, not only do we have, we hear the salesman's voice, but we don't see the ship, right? We then immediately see Mal using the same pitch on Zoe, as you mm-hmm. as you state, and then when we catch it at the end, they're showing, no, it's not it's not with the salesman. It was it was the, <clears throat> it was his it was his love. So yeah, that was that was kind of what I was going for. Is are are we trying to show that no, it's not Mal has been sold a bill of goods. It's that Mal has fallen in love. So I'll I'll take that if that's what Josh Whedon said they were going for, then I'll say they conveyed it pretty well. It was, it, it's kind of interesting that I guess that makes sense for him calling it serenity too. No, it's not just about, I had an idea, it's, I fell in love with this dream. The ship is the dream, it's his dream. Freedom yeah. and, and independence. So, uh, yeah, it's just that was, <clears throat> that was unusual in its way. So let's talk about the primary storyline, ignoring the ignoring the the non-linear nature of of the storyline. <laughs> it's pretty good accounting for Mal in this story. Um there's no I don't see any moral ambiguity in him in this one. This is man in crisis who rises to it at every level. Yes. I mean it's I I'm not sure it's a it makes him a particularly moral or virtuous person. No, but it come it comes back to that thing. Effective. That we we kind of de- he's effective, yeah, and and it's and it's it's an aspect of something that has been there from his army days, which is that he can lead people, and in you know this this is a fairly dire crisis, but and and within it he has. Kaylee and Wash in particular in in their different ways falling apart and Mm -hmm. he has to deal with that and he has to whatever I mean he obviously has a great deal of affection for Zoe himself Mm -hmm. he's known her longer than Wash has so he presumably is in some distress at the fact that she appears to be mortally wounded yeah but he sets that aside and he works on getting Wash to do whatever he can. And, and you know, like Kaylee, he must be feeling this, the same kind of level of despair because he understands the same thing she understands, that basically their chances of survival are next to zero. Yeah. And how do you operate with that knowledge, you know? Well, that's that's why that's him rising to the rising to the occasion, or, or using the skills that he has at, at hand. Um, he also manages to effectively put aside any feelings that he has or that he exhibits for Inara by dealing with her in his most matter-of-factly way mm-hmm. that he's done, and you know, just don't talk, waste in the air. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I would, I could imagine, frankly, I could imagine Fox putting this episode first. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it, it does two things. It establishes what kind of Captain Mal is, and it yeah. establishes who the crew were. I, I'm, I'm rather surprised that they didn't put that well, forward. I'm not sure. So you, you, you've, taken the, you've taken the one story, which is the 
being stranded and and because the original the original story um picking up from the the dvd commentary was actually the being boarded by pirates story which is almost like just a couple of scenes actually in the final thing so in that in in that shape and form i think you could have you could have made an argument that it introduced mal it kind of showed showed the man he was maybe but the flashbacks to the characters work because we know them hmm i suppose there's a there's a there's an interesting parallel it feels to me like this is um this is a kind of structure this is the, this is the kind of thing that has come up in a number of shows but i can't think of any examples except one that just leaps out at me which is the opening two-parter of series two of the west wing in the shadow of two gunmen and it, it, it there's always been an association with that from seeing this for me and it came back this time and i i, I don't know how familiar you are with the west wing i've certainly not seen that uh, episode okay but um the the pilot episode it kicks off with a day in the life of some west wing staffers dealing with a a kind of storm in the teacup crisis in the sense that the deputy chief of staff may be going to lose his job it's it's not it's not like a catastrophe it's not like the president being shot or anything like that and that's because that's the kind of show show the west wing is you've got to establish what it's all about and how in fact each episode is is kind of taking a different aspect of daily life in the white house and examining it and through that you do get to know the characters but by the nature of it you've kind of got to establish that at the very beginning of the show and so we're a year into the presidency but that doesn't mean you don't kind of want to know how everyone got there and how they first became attached to Bartlett's campaign and all the rest of it and so the flashback episode kind of provides that and it's interesting because now I've got this um, official companion book with which includes all of this material from interviews with Joss Whedon he actually specifically mentions the West Wing in this and he says when he watched the series two opener which is kind of pretty close in time it must have been a couple of years before Firefly he thought that's too early for them to be doing that and yet he does end up doing exactly the same thing uh eight episodes in to Firefly so it, it, it's even earlier there but I, I I get what he's saying because I think the point about going back and seeing how these people are introduced it's not there's there's something atypical about how they are introduced it's the contrast so it when you see when you see jane holding up zoe and the captain Mm -hmm. that's not the normal relationship we that's not normally how we see jane for example or even even with inara where you can see all the seeds of their their kind of will they won't they relationship being sown in that introductory scene and yet the way she plays it the whole feel of um her attitude is completely different and you you get these sudden cuts to the present day and you really appreciate that contrast and i think for a new viewer you wouldn't have that sense of what these characters are like now in order to appreciate what you're being shown 
If but you're sense. you're making an argument from an artistic standpoint, and I'm making an argument from the network, crass. Um, no, no, I think I, I think they they the like would be it doesn't tell you anything. Just like they don't like, you know, the the ambiguity of the first episode. Uh, the real first episode with regards to Mal's character, they want to establish the hero and they want to get things, they want to do things in a sort of linear fashion. The fact is they probably were never going to show the pilot to Serenity. The only reason they ever showed it was because they canceled the series and they said, well, we've got one in the can. Why waste money on on it anymore? Four in the can. So, well, but that's the point. When they come to run out a series, sometimes they have a slot to fill and they just... You know, I'm not going to spend any more money. So oh yeah, yeah. But they, the they had another three. They had another three episodes. That they they probably had. would have happily never shown the pilot if if the show had been a success, probably. But because then it would have been so far out of place. But 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 anyway. Um, but the, so you the, called the people. Oh god. Well, no, I I I was just going to say that. In terms of in terms of what the network's attitude to this episode would be, because I think in a way you're right. They they like linear, and this is non-linear, and they didn't like that. And That's Tim Minear was was basically a, a, again, according to his interview in the in the companion book, he was ready to walk if they said no. You've got to you've got to re-edit this into. A linear order because he didn't think the episode made sense in a linear order because you get the thematically you're being introduced to things in one in you know in a flashback that explains something in the present day or or vice versa so he he felt quite strongly about it and you know just in relation to what you're saying about it being cancelled he said they didn't push it they didn't come back and say no not good enough we we want it in a linear order they just let it go which, and I don't know whether this is the benefit of hindsight, but which he interprets as being a sign that the writing was on the wall. Because if they cared about the show and weren't already half thinking, we're just going to can this anyway, they would have fought it, but they didn't. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. And that sounds, well, if reasonable is the word, but it sounds uh, believable. Yeah. Okay. Um, the pirates, as you call them. Were they pirates? I mean, obviously, stealing ship is an act of piracy. But were they pirates or were they opportunists? What you mean, sort of? Were they were they normal? Yeah, were they amateur pirates? That's exactly right. Because of the way he says, you'd have done the same thing. Obviously, Mal's ship is a cargo ship. He said, you'd have done the same thing. I I kind of got the input that maybe these people are exactly the same as the serenity they're a group of people flying off the radar doing their doing their stuff and a ship comes along and they decide to pirate it we've already seen that when that happened to the serenity yes they boarded it yes they wanted to salvage from it but you know apart from jane i don't think there's any chance that they would have said oh there's a survivor kill him and send it on its way even mal yeah wouldn't have done that. So well, I, no, I, I kind I, of feel like these are just people who are exactly the same in similar circumstances, and they've taken the darker path. It's like, nope, you know something? This is this is a win for us. One guy, kill him. I I felt like there was a a, a definite attempt to make a parallel that came across 
particularly strongly when Mal is having the the negotiation about guns and showing the engine part. And and again, this is this is Mal being a, a very together kind of captain in a ship that is certainly doomed and running out of air. Mm-hmm. And it would be excusable to despair or just be so desperate as to say, I throw myself on your mercy here. But he is doing the best he can with the cards that he's played. And yet you can see how if the tables were turned and thinking, yeah, as you say, back to bushwhacked, had had they been having that conversation where the serenity were the one rescuing the other ship, Mal would have been every bit as careful as the other captain appears to be. Mm-hmm. But when they come on board, the the thought that occurred to me was, it looks like this is their counterpart. You know, he, it, it's Mal conversing with counterpart Mal, mm-hmm. uh, a meeting of equals. And then, in fact, when they come on board, you think, hang on a minute, no, this is actually what Serenity would be like if Jane was in charge. Because I can imagine Jane doing exactly what this guy does. I, I, I No, I can't. Um, if he'd walked on and it had been Jane, they'd have shot him. They wouldn't have checked the ship. They wouldn't have gone over the story. You mean... They wouldn't have checked the ship the way they did. They wouldn't have kept Mal alive long enough to bother to put on the show. You know, I, I do feel that the captain was genuinely concerned that it was a trap. The genuine concern that I've come up against somebody who's going to entrap and yeah. kill us, which is exactly what I would expect Mal to do. Jane, I don't think, would have the forethought to be that yeah, maybe. linear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or calculating, <laughs> shall he's, we say. Yes. And so, his, yeah. His main strength isn't intellectual. <laughs> no. Apparently he's a good tracker, though. He's a good tracker. So that was my question. I, I wasn't sure whether they were supposed to be professional pirates or whether they were just more people living on the fringe, just like Mal, who who didn't have his code oh. conduct when it came to this but, but, but opportunity. I'm not sure that is that is any different, really, in the sense that they are they're they're surviving they're professional criminals. They're professional criminals. So they're they're all opportunists. It's not a question of that. It's a question of where you draw your line, morally speaking. Mm-hmm. And Mal's, Got for, his for all the ambiguity we've we've had, Mal's line is drawn somewhere somewhere this side of of uh, cold blooded murder. Uh, yes, yeah, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's done cold blooded murder. Um, I think well, chucking that guy into the engines, that was cold-blooded murder. Yes, yes, all right, yes, yes, all right. Uh, yeah, that was quite cold-blooded. I mean, I know so, yeah. he was right. protecting He's... himself, but he wasn't an immediate threat, so, yeah. So, I, yeah, I there, think there's, There has always been an element of, of if not quite self-defense, of offense is the form of... The offense is the best form of self-defense kind of offense. And he did Whereas have a this, gun. This, 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 this... Plainly wasn't right. Self-defense. He did have the gun, which he wasn't supposed to have. He didn't have the gun. Where did he get the gun? He got it from the carty thing that he fell next to. Okay, where he placed a gun, presumably, so he'd have it. I I, I don't think that was unplanned. Been, we don't know. <laughs> I, I I honestly now this is the one thing about Mal 
that you know from our prior when he says no guns I, for the most part i assume he's gonna be lying i mean i know we had the last episode where he actually went no guns when jane wanted to go with guns but i didn't i didn't believe for a second he was going to be defenseless there so the script says it's actually the gun is actually taped under jane's workout bench which to me suggests jane put it there okay now the it's question the is did, did he know it was there or did he or did he see it when he fell? I got the sense that he saw it when he fell, but I kind of like Kaylee and your your version, yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> but your version of of the of the of what we see also fits the facts and makes sense to me. So I don't know. So once again, it's morally ambiguous. Mal, they managed to work that in 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 the episode. Was he was he reneging on a deal he made? For practical reasons, admittedly. Or did he just get darn lucky in that case? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, no, I'm not going to go there. See, and I, I do appreciate <laughs> these ships aren't armed. Well, so, okay, you just got run off of the guy's ship and you left the part. I'm pretty sure you could damage the heck out of his ship instead of just backing away. I, I wondered about that, but I th- I thought probably they're not going to have guns. Right. I mean, ship-to-ship weapons, they don't, and the Alliance would take an interest if they had that kind of capability. Mm-hmm. And you probably can't do, you can't sort of ram it without hurting causing a yourself. lot of damage to your own ship. So, I I mean, depending on just how psychotic you are, I didn't get the sense he was. Yeah, I, I that was just that was just my thought when he was backing away. It's like, would you just, would you just leave? Would you just back off and I, leave, or would you be somehow vindictive if you could? I I did I did think when Mal pulled the gun that his little gun was maybe not enough to convince them not to just try and shoot him down there and then. I assume it's because he was all, pointing at the captain. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean. It it worked it worked for me it worked for me I may be being influenced by the fact that when I re-listened to the the uh, commentary that was the thing that uh, Tim Minear said is the thing he would most like to change give Mal a bigger gun um, but... <laughs> okay make it more convincing I, I think even a small gun like that is is lethal enough if you've got the drop on one one particular person yeah okay um, which in a way I prefer one one last piece of the story in the present that i want to uh or two briefly one is ah it's kind of sweet that they had a birthday it for for simon and the fact that they're all sitting around having a lot of fun at dinner even prior to that uh really does show that they've formed up as a family whereas still in prior episodes we've still had this sort of exclusion of Simon and River in in their yeah sort of standoffishness. So here it was broken down and and despite the fact that Jane cut off his story um <clears throat> Jane's just sort of an insensitive clod. So uh you know that doesn't yeah, and, that and, he'd do that to anyone I think. Yeah, oh yeah. And and the fa- and the fact that they have a cake for him indicates some level of affection I think. So they love cake and Kaylee wanted to make one. <laughs> Didn't, I'm, I'm pretty sure Kaylee's like behind the kind of this. cake you would love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clearly, Kaylee has a particularly large amount of affection for Simon. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So the other one in the present is Book and his fear. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was a, a, once again a nice a little analysis of um, the book, as in the Bible. Book tells you not to be afraid. And Book is a believer in the book. And Book has faith in the book. And Book's still afraid, mm. as, as, as any actual human being would be in those circumstances. I, I, you know, anybody that had that level of faith and wasn't afraid would be a truly dangerous individual. Um, and, yet, and yet you get a sense of his fundamentalism from the fact that he does seem to be shaken by the fact that his faith is insufficient. Yes. Well, like I said, I think, I think it was the last episode we discussed. That was the first time I was convinced Book is genuine in his faith. But I, how strong is his faith? Well, is my question. I, I, agree, I, I agree that this, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying he's not genuine in it, but it's like some, someone whose faith was absolute would have been unperturbed, and he's very perturbed. I don't. I, I don't see that. I, I, I only cartoon characters are have that much faith. It's not a question of not being afraid. It's a question of being comfortable with that fear. What I, what I see in, in Glass's performance there, I, I think, is insecurity. I think it's, a, it's I may be reading too much into it, but it's a, it's a sense that he feels like he shouldn't be afraid. And he's, he's, he is emphasising the point that he shouldn't be afraid. And he's not comfortable with that. And it's like there's a sense that he feels he's fallen short because he's feeling the fear. So he's questioning his own faith. In that I, have, I have seen that in people, almost word mm. for word. And, you know, confronting not necessarily their own imminent death, but, you know, people who have had terminal illnesses or um I, I i've i've absolutely you know you can hear the words about you know i i don't shouldn't be afraid and they are and i think it's a fairly common i think it's a fairly common thing i think i think faith doesn't hold up to that in in most people and and i think they recognize that when that when that comes it's like i shouldn't be afraid but i am and because fear doesn't come from fear doesn't come from your brain well it does but you know what i mean from your heart <laughs> i know i know i know you, what you, you mean know i at. know what you mean and if you're a particular type of fundamentalist you can't accept that you can't you can't Not accept be afraid. that the, the the fear you feel is a failing because the book is telling you not to be afraid right. and the book is literally right so yeah it was it was interesting and, that they put it in there, but again, it just it just made me believe because he's shaken by it. Yeah, yeah, he's shaken yeah, yeah. by the fact and, that he is afraid, and 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 it and it's it's book and river again, which I which I like because she is undercutting it, and in in particular, you're now we're we're at a stage with River where he is almost willing to put faith in her because. I mean, obviously, partly because she's saying what he wants to hear when she says, um, you know, we're not going to die gasping. 
but also mm. because there, there's a, there's an authority that's developed, and then she completely undercuts it with her "We'll freeze to death first. Is his faith in her partially because of her fire comments earlier? Did he see that as precognition? I think it. I think it. You know, it adds. It adds. There's there, somehow there is somehow she is building up some authority. She's gone from being this kind of inexplicable freak to a being clever a bit inexplicable weird. freak. <laughs> but but yeah, well, I mean, we know she's clever because Simon tells us she's clever. But we're starting to see there's more to her. I think even if she even if she even if she's quite weird, mm-hmm. she's clever and apparently has it, yeah it goes beyond that it goes beyond that there is possibly the a, a psychic ability or or as you say precognition you know something where you can't just dismiss what she's saying as ramblings of a mad person yeah okay let's take a look at the the flash flashbacks the flashback flashbacks <laughs> the far-flung flashbacks whatever we want to the, call fa- the far flashback yes rather than the near flashbacks yes um so Zoe and the captain. Let's start with that one. Uh, we have a situation here where we know, we know, not necessarily the Fox audiences, but we know that they are former military. And and from previous episodes, we've seen that they've got a pretty solid uh, working relationship between the two of them. Does it, how, how do you, how do you take the events immediately prior to this do you think they were knocking about after the war the whole time and Mal surprises her with this? Because here's where he's explaining his plan to her. The ship, mm-hmm. fly out there, go on to stay away from the, the Alliance, uh, take care of it and, you know, get us a crew and, and we can we can live free. That doesn't strike me as the kind of thing that just sprung spontaneously out of his head. So it kind of makes me think that he and Ma, uh, he and Zoe weren't the inseparable team at that point in time. Well, they, it's would they yeah, it's be like inseparable he, if they if they didn't have the roles they have? I don't know. So That's, she, after he, the war, they he, would be they might separate. I, I think I think they wouldn't. I think they wouldn't. I don't think there'd be any reason for them to be inseparable. I'm not saying I'm not saying they wouldn't stay in touch or whatever. But it's like once once they take on serenity and he he's back in command and and uh, she's his right hand man as it were right then that's why they're always together right no i i yes i i agree so in the military they would have been together because of their assignment when they lost the war i'm guessing they probably were detained um makes sense until at some point when apparently combatants were released and yes, I could. That's I guess that's what I was getting at. Do you do you envision that when they got out of? And I think the answer we've already given is that when they got out of the war, the two of them decided to try their hand together at some venture. And I'm thinking that's not the case. That this scene has shown us that Mal has come up with this idea, found the ship, and then gone and found Zoe to get his lieutenant back. I think that makes that makes sense. I mean, I have nothing to go on from the text or from anything else I've read. It it feels to me like it, it it could play out exactly like you say. Once they're once they're released, they have to find a way 
to support themselves. They don't necessarily do that together. I mean, maybe they get together for a beer at the end of the week or whatever and compare notes on how they're doing. Maybe they try and get into a few things where, you know, they they have a plan they they do try together. I don't know, but it it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily follow that they weeks or months wouldn't go by without them seeing each other. Hmm. And obviously she has reservations about this plan, but then that's that's kind of her job and has been all yeah. along. Yeah. Yeah. As to kind of cover some of his a little more optimistic <laughs> nature. She's 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 his cover. idealistic, I think. Idealistic. I mean the thing be. about thing about Mal is for all his for all his disillusionment and his disappointment following the outcome of the war, he is an idealist. You have to be an idealist to be uh, disillusioned, don't you? At some point, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, makes sense. They're the they're the worst kind. But uh, okay, so I mean that was my read on it. There's there's not a whole lot in that. We knew they went into this venture together. I just uh, that that struck me as being kind of like he's bringing the band back together there. Except that was the band of two. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take that so much as an introduction to Zoe, as an introduction to Serenity. Yeah, that was the, that we're seeing his first meeting with Serenity, and we're then going to see his first meeting with the others. Yeah, Wash has a terrible mustache, and I can completely oh, God, understand. What's worst? It's you know, is it is you, you is it the mustache? Is it the Hawaiian shirt? Is it the gum chewing? Um, I, I I can understand why Zoe doesn't like him. You know, yeah, but I just can't. I, I can't understand be. which one she's picked. No, I don't know. I think any of them would be would be good grounds, really. <laughs> well, he's still got the Hawaiian shirts, right? Has he? Doesn't got he still quite wear pretty bad? bright shirts? Well, maybe not quite that bad. Yes, but pretty cash. Um, <laughs> so, um, or is that supposed to tell us something? So she's got reservations about the serenity and she's got reservations about wash. And in the end, she ends up embracing them both. Is that a, is that a good parallel between the two? I'm not sure she's ever quite as passionate about serenity as Mal is. Whereas she's oh, I don't think anybody quite be passionate his. about wash. Yes. So is that why he, she doesn't like him is because she's uh, detected some sort of sexual tension that she she doesn't know how to process. I think that's more. I think that's more what what the uh, the intention is. So it's well, that's, that's more. I don't know about the intention. That's more in line with my reading. Okay. Okay. Um, ship's engineer. I didn't even catch uh, surfer dude's name. Bester. It was Bester. Okay, I did catch his name, but that's the bad guy in Babylon Five. So I probably my brain uh, put that aside. Um, well, so much for Kaylee being that wide-eyed, innocent girl. She is just the sex maniac, isn't she? Last week, she's working <laughs> on Simon, plying him with the booze. And this week, she's <clears throat> indulging her engine she... fetish. Uh... <laughs> yes, the, yes, it's that. I don't, think, I don't think she's ever been the wide-eyed, innocent. I'm still, I still have trouble with her portrayal in what um, sense it is the it is the wide-eyed acting that she does it 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 always comes off like she's stoned 
to me. That's, but that, yeah, I, that's... Is she? I don't think she is. I don't think she is. But in a sense, her character is not a million miles away from how some people do behave when they're stoned. Because, because she's someone who's, some of, some of whose natural defences are always down. She's, she's just a bit less inhibited about sharing her feelings and sharing her emotions. I don't see why, because she's like someone who's always, always stoned, she wouldn't be averse to having it off in an engine room. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't equating the two. I was just a, as, a, as a, on the whole, on a character as a whole, even not standing out, I still, there's just something about the portrayal. It's, it's not that the actress is unattractive. It's not that, that the words coming out of the character's mouth don't fit with the, 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 the sort of, I don't want to say innocent, but <clears throat> it's sort of open, happy-go-lucky, uh, non-deceptive yeah. kind of, kind of person. Yeah. It's just, literally the performance from time to time just just go she can't possibly be not trying to act stoned there it it <laughs> it it just puts me off of of that character and i should like her character probably second best after wash um you know now admittedly he's shaved off that mustache so that's it's better but yeah, if he still had the mustache, wow, and Kaylee he's... was the one playing with dinosaurs. Yeah, see, that would be, yeah, you get the, the dinosaur. Wash wins because of the dinosaurs, but um... I, 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 re- I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, I can see what you're saying about the performance, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me she's trying to behave as if she's stoned. It doesn't make me think she is stoned all the time. It's just that she's. I'd like to see the actress in some other part. You know, I'd, I'd like to see her playing a different character. I, I don't think that I've ever seen her anywhere in anything. I'm pretty sure I haven't. And it would be interesting to see whether or not, you know, some, some actors play a type and that's what they got, particularly in the United States. And, and others, sure. that's, that's her. But I, I mean, I don't. That may be her open innocent case, act, you it, know. It fit. It fits the part, but it. I mean, to me, the character makes sense. She. I think. I think what you say is is she. She has no guile, or however you want to, to put yeah, it. She's. Right. She's. The and that's definitely true. She basically likes engines a lot. Uh, a whole that, bunch, yeah. It, definitely, you know that we've seen that because. In Shindig at the party, all she's talking about is is engines. Pretty much all the time, all she's talking about is engines. You definitely get the sense in this that she's not particularly into Bester in the way that, say, she's into Simon. Mm-hmm. Not not least because she says, I, I seen the troubles when I was down there on my back. So she's not paying much attention to Bester at all. It's not just that she... she got him to take her to the engine room because it turned her on. It's that while they're doing it, she's paying attention to the engine, not to him. I have to admit, up till this point, I had not gotten from the character, and I'd gotten, obviously, from the character that she's truly and effectively obsessed with engines. I got that. I didn't get the 
I didn't get the arousal aspect of it out of the end <laughs> prior to this point. I'm like, oh, see now, I... <clears throat> hmm. Maybe it's because you know she's been inured to it now, living on a farm planet. Not much. I assume it's a farm planet. Prairie, prairie, as in, get your prairie harpy off my boat. I think they farm prairies, don't they? That that's uh, that's oh. pretty common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what led to the Dust Bowl uh, in, in U.S. history. But uh, oh, too yeah. much farming of the prairies. <clears throat> but a, a, apparently, but, again, according to Joss Whedon's notes here, the, the mate, quote, making her a whore, whatever. So why did they have to make her a whore? There was a backlash against this. But I, I don't. I, could, I don't see it. I could see it. I could see what, it. What I... What I you, you, Kay, do, Kaylee seems like your... Up till this point, Kaylee seems like your kid sister. And I know kid oh, sisters yeah, go yeah, through yeah, that yeah, too. But, but th- this one and and her yes. affections on Simon have gone uh, unfulfilled, and but not for want of trying. That's because of Simon, not be- not because she's too pure to do it. But you know, there's there's always that whole trope, uh, not necessarily realistic, but there is that whole uh, y- yeah, sure you're trying, but. You know, it's because she's fallen in love with Simon, not not because I don't, I don't she's so. fallen well, I mean, in the hots about... with Simon. See, I no, feel like she, she... I, no, I th- I think you're right. I think there is something else going on with Simon, but that doesn't stop her wanting to sleep with him. I think that was something that was a key part of Janestown when we were when I was picking up the different attitudes to sex the various characters had. I, well, I guess. I've seen this before, so that was in my mind. But Kaylee's attitude towards it is much more about having fun, and I and I kind of think that's what she's doing here. She doesn't she doesn't care about Bester. She does care about the engine, but also she's just having fun. I guess, I guess it does. I can definitely see how people would would audiences might not appreciate that sequence uh, yeah it it, it throws kaylee in a very box. <clears throat> very different light um than than previously uh, well in the sense you could you could have you could have read her apart from i think the bar scene in jamestown you could have read her as as a very sort of wholesome girl next door type i can also even with the bar scene read her as the very wholesome girl next door who's trying to break out of that so Still could be unsuccessful could be. at it, but here's my chance. Um, but does that if you're with somebody who she a moral puritan is that any better with someone who she seems to have a genuine attraction to, as opposed to a, just a passing physical thing? But does that make it? It does to certain if, audiences. If, if, yes. If you're well, surely the key thing for those audiences, are you married? No, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, there are those as well, but there's true love. A, ge- a gentler form this of spirit, true love. It? Yeah. <clears throat> there, is, there is carnal desire, there is true love, and then there's marriage. And there the three shall meet. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes. Anyway. The, the other... If I, if I can just leap yeah. backwards or for, for back... Fall back, yeah, back to the present, future, um, for a second while we're talking about Kaylee. 
the other the other aspect of her character um well i mean the the effect of her character because i think it's all part of what we've been talking about she is she is this not only um quite sort of free and guileless and follows her follows her desires follows adventure etc but also instinctive and that runs through to the way in which she has learned to do what she does with engines and that's worked out really well and i and and this this is by the way something that's come from previous episodes where she's kind of talked about that so she's not she's not had any formal training in being a mechanic she's just really good at it and in this episode there is that moment where she's where she's sort of telling mal about what she's found and the implications of it and she knows what they mean because she's a good enough mechanic to understand all of that but you get that kind of rare moment of self-doubt from her where she says maybe she should have done things differently maybe she should have looked after things better and the sense that she's wondering if she'd had some kind of more formal learning about how to look after a ship like serenity they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in perhaps i didn't take it that way but um but but yeah perhaps i took it as just she should have spent more time with them with the engines more time well okay i guess she spent quite a lot of time with engines it's it it doesn't she's what she's definitely not saying is i did everything i could there's no, you know, there's no way I can reproach myself. Whereas some someone who knew what the kind of industry best practice was in regards to all of this stuff might feel they were able to say that. Okay, okay, I, I, that's that's certainly as good an interpretation as mine. Um, <clears throat> I just, I, I guess it's the engineer stereotype that that you know, darn, I I spent some time eating. I shouldn't have done that. I should have spent more time <laughs> out here in the engines. I mean, that, that's, that's that's how I took it. That's literally how I took it. That if I, you know, was, yeah, yeah, it just, could be. So, um, and also, I think I think what was uh, what what was broken in her was what was broken with that part. I mean, she's come down to a part where there just isn't anything she can do about it. Yeah, you know that that's <clears throat> at some point you can tinker and you can fix and you can bypass and you can be clever and you can. You can intuit all you want, but at some point, if you don't have this thing, it's not going anywhere. And that is a, yeah, uh, that, that, that's, you know, a, what a feeling of helplessness, especially if you know that you can't do anything about it at that point. And, and there, <clears throat> there, Mal's ignorance of engineering kind of comes in because, you know, I, I'm the expert. I'm telling you, this is broke. This is done. And he's still keep trying, keep coming up with something else, keep working at it, find a way, do the thing. Yeah, but but that that's kind of what's so brilliant about his captaining in this, and it's the same when he's when he's talking Wash out of his despond and persuading him to to take the long shot. And he's 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 essentially it's not it's not that he's putting it on them, but it's it's that he is reminding them why he why he put his trust in them in the first place if you like that it's because they can do things that he can't do Mm -hmm. and he needs them he needs them to do that now 
because he still can't do them. Come on. All right. Um, I think we already talked about Inara's scene in the shuttle. I, do we? Is there anything else that we wanted to cover on that? The uh, the hiring off shuttle question. scene. Okay, then the most interesting one, and that's Jane's first meetup with uh, the captain. My guess is that you've had this in mind when we were talking about <clears throat> Jane last week. Um, when my my opinion was. <clears throat> Having heard firsthand what he had done to his partner, Mal should be rethinking whether or not Jane is a safe person to have on board this ship. And now we see their first meeting was him betraying his partners um, at Mal's uh, coercing. Yep. I think I would trust him even less if I were Mal. I kind of... I. I kind of don't particularly like this scene because I think there's a more... Co- I mean, Jane, in a way, is a very simple tool, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've already covered his intellectual capabilities and his motivations, when we've discussed them in previous episodes, are fairly straightforward. But there's more to him than just, hang on a minute, you could do better than this, Um by buying him off because he does see there's it's almost like there's some there's more there's more ambition to him than pure acquisition there's some there's some ambition about who he might be or who he could be in the sense that i think he wants to be the captain and Hmm. he and that means he wants to be mal and there is something about mal that he sees in himself or he or he sees he sees himself in Mal, even if it's not really there. Right. And yet in that very, very brief scene, there's really only time to do a kind of almost jokey bartering in I would Mal be... Mal and Zoe are always in control of that scene, even though they're the ones with the hands up and the guns pointed at them. Right. And they turn the tables by the the clever talk. But it's almost like they're tricking Jane. They are tricking Jane. And, and I would feel a lot better if I felt like they were making him fair offer. Yeah. Does, does that make any sense? I mean, be, it, it feels it like they're tricking sense. him, because, but we have no context to know what, a, you know, is set, maybe 7% is a good deal. I don't know the, the way it works in this universe. They're, they're just laughing at it. Oh, 7%. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter because they're acting. They are right. putting a show on for him, even if it's, even if it's based on fact. It's a show. So it is. It is kind of. Um, I, I I feel like they've tricked him on board the ship, and I feel like having tricked him on board the ship, what they should be thinking about at all times is who is the next person who's going to trick him to shooting me. Well, I think I think I think we've got that there is still an element of that, and I think I think rightly so. But I th- I think what you've said actually just crystallizes what's missing from that scene, and it is the kind of mutual respect that they're, they're tricking jane and the scene would have come over better with me if there had been some sense of their putting a value on him that was more than just not have it not being shot by him in the next five minutes well there was one his tracking abilities okay that's yeah. what they started with who do you think did the tracking i think it was the ugly one so at, at that moment i feel like mal in that sentence, I thought Mal was going, ah, he's going to try to get the tracker out of the three of them for his own, 
needs. The problem is, but, since we already know Jane, we know it had to be him. Yeah, but but also I think the problem is that there is no sense in that coming across in what he says to Jane. Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if there had been some... Because I think there is a mutual respect between Mal and Jane, even if even if it's all based on a foundation of mistrust, there is there is some mutual I mean the the whole thing is mutual self interest really. So in that sense it's all it's doing is kind of presenting an extreme version of something we already know. But they sit down to supper together and things like this. Mm-hmm. And although although the bond might be weak because it's mutual self-interest, when they go into the various capers they go into, they do have each other's back. So having some of that respect in that first scene wouldn't have seemed inappropriate to me. Well, one of the, one of the problems I have with, with Jane, and, and I like the character of Jane, but one of the problems I have with the character of Jane is the way we've discussed him, is there are two things that I see Mal does for him apart from employs him, but Mal finds them work, right? Mal is, yeah. Mal yeah. is the guy who brings him opportunity to make money and Mal plays fair with him. Yes. Except that we've established that the character of Jane can't understand the concept of someone playing fair with you. So 80% well, can, of what Mal brings to the terms. table... <laughs> seems kind of like he's missing out on that and yeah he's definitely he's definitely missing out on a lot of what mal does he doesn't understand why mal does what mal does i think it's more complicated than just he doesn't understand playing fair but he has such a limited concept of what playing fair means okay but yeah all right that would mean he doesn't understand the whole the whole spectrum of playing fair just his tiny little bits yeah yeah yeah. I, I just I, it felt to me like the scene was a, a kind of caricature of their relationship. Yeah. This introductory scene. And it felt like it would have been more interesting if there had been a bit more a, a bit more recognition of the 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 complexities that exist in their relationship in that first meeting. So it it just otherwise feels quite hard to believe that they have been together for four years, although I guess it might not be as long as four years. Did we know it was four? Pick up Jane. Do, I think do we know? We get, we get that it's four years that they've been on Serenity, or that Mal's been on Serenity. Ah, okay. Um, we don't know that J- Jane joined the crew straight away, so I guess that could have been shorter. But it's it, it, it seems a fairly flimsy basis for a kind of a relationship that appears to have lasted for four years. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else? I got one one story from the the commentary that is too good not to to relate. I mean, it's there on the commentary if you want to go and listen to it. But the the button that Mal is yeah. to press in order to recall them, which I think of as Chekhov's button, um, mm-hmm. that was that was taken from the set by Alan Tudyk. He he took it as a memento, just like. Jane took the head of his statue. I mean, um, Adam Baldwin took the head of Jane's statue from uh, Janestown. But the, the nice, the nice bit of this story is that after the show was cancelled, Joss Whedon put a lot of effort into finding some way of bringing the show back. So 
Tudic gave him the button and told him, when you get your miracle, press the button and we'll come back. And I quite like that. Well, I guess he pushed the button for the movie then, right? Yes, indeed he did. All right, well, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.